I remember interviewing a CEO of this big UX agency and I said, you know, are there ever times when, do you want, when you want to give up? And he's like, yeah, there's many times when it's really bad, when you're firefighting. But I'm like, why have you never given up? And he said, because there's nothing else I would rather do. Awesome. So Lynn, tell me about your business. Oh, the dynamic world of telecoms. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is dynamic, actually, because it, mm. it changes so rapidly nowadays. But um, it was started up 30 years ago. Its wow. origin is uh, my husband's background because mm. he was a very disenfranchised BT engineer. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think we can all understand disenfranchising because... Yeah. We go through cycles in our work life, don't we? And sometimes it's great, and then other times it becomes the pits. And I think he'd reached a low in that corporate world that he just didn't want to keep on in corporate life. So made the decision with a little bit of help and support from a redundancy package that BT offered Mm. that that was going to give him the security he needed to make the jump Mm. and go on his own. and I guess, you know, I was in my own career at that stage. And I guess I might have been a safety blanket if things had gone awry. Yeah. Um, but for him, you know, and probably like a lot of people, when you go into self-employment, it's a big step. And it, it's a very brave step when you first make it. Because I think you suddenly realize that the whole world stops with you. Yeah. Um, there's nobody to turn to. There's nobody to blame. Um, and I think, you know, when, when you make that decision, whether it's today or in the next five years, yeah, you have highs and you have lows. But I think the, the point is you want to do something that you're passionate about. And his yeah. vision then, which has seen us all the way through the last 30 years, was he wanted to offer business telephony in a way that people were treated with honesty. Mm. integrity uh not just made to sign an order for the sake of it Mm. and to be very transparent about what it is that we offer and how it works and that sort of thing and i've got to say even though he did all of that on his own for the first few years yeah um it's it's remained an ethic that we've lived with right the way through and it underpins everything we do today yeah. Um, because, you know, it's, it's one of those spaces. People just want your signature and yeah. then forget it. And we've always never, that's the last thing we are. It's mm. not about just the signature. Delving, so, yeah. So, he's yeah, done that, it. Sounds, that sounds great. Like delving a little bit deeper into some of the mindsets you said about, you know, making the jump because you've had enough about something. And that's enough to push you into a new venture. Mm. Of course, it's scary and you're full of fear to some degree. And the kind of the mindset of now I need to keep this runway going. Can you just talk about some of the dynamics? And obviously, being a married couple, that, that helps. What are the, mm. some of the kind of things you have to focus on? to stay positive when you're starting out because we have things like imposter syndrome. We have things of, well, I need to now make the same level in my own field as I was over there. So then I can be like, ha, I told you kind of thing. Yeah. Just talk to me about some of those things. Some of those. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's funny actually, because although 
I joined the business 10 years ago now and I was disenfranchised with my career at that point. So, yeah. you know, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. But I think the people who I've met through my entire working life who've gone self-employed always have a passion for what it is they do. Yeah. You have a passion for what it is you do. Um, you know, if you're a joiner, you might have learned your trade somewhere, but you have a passion for what you do. Yeah. So I think what I listened to over the years of numerous people saying that the greatest thing is you get to be your own person doing it in the way that you want to do it maybe in the time that you want to do it as well I, you know there's the work-life balance should we say in today's jargon mm. but I think what everybody seems to go through and it has been everybody I've spoken to is that you go into something with that love of what it is that you've done and then you've got all this stuff around you oh god tax returns oh hell what do I do about liability insurance and you know I remember a phrase Paul used with me in his own cycle which was I cook it I bake it I eat it and then I have to deal with it aftermath and, and I think yeah. that's the bit we forget about in going self-employed, isn't it? Mm. You know, the book stops here, truly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who have this lovely passion, it probably gets muted along the way because you're dealing with all these monkeys on your back that you didn't mm. come in expecting. But I, th I think the thing that I watched with him was, yes, probably me outside of his business, I became a bit of a sounding board. Mm. And, you know, the, the dump of, oh, I've had a bad day or I've had a bad week. You've got somebody to share. And I think, I think the key thing for anybody is to have a shoulder to unburden on. Mm. Um, it's not always a good thing. It's husband and wife, that's for sure. But <laughs> have a shoulder to unburden on because, I think mean, you know, a problem vocalised seems to lessen. Yeah. And the burden isn't as great. I think one of the things... I have seen, and certainly he's benefited from, there are always support structures, but knowing where to go to for those. Mm. Um, I, I did a term myself inside an operation called Business Link, mm. which in its heyday was great. I, th I think it suffered a lot of bad press, but in, it, in its heyday, in its essence, it was designed to be a, a single door that you could push open and you could get some tax advice. You could... Yeah talk about how to expand or what it means to recruit somebody. Actually, what I discovered, even myself doing the role I do now in this business with him, is those doors are still there, but they're, they're scattered around. So you have to be quite resourceful. I mean, mm. you've got to, I mean, Google's a great friend. You can yeah. probably throw most things into Google and find an answer. Mm. Um, but I know since I came into it, this is where the husband and wife team isn't as supportive because it's really easy to just bounce off of each other in a bad way. Yeah. So I actually started networking and, and that to me gave me my support structure because mm. um, I found networking for me was a great way to meet a friendly accountant and talk. They didn't want the business, but they give me a bit of advice yeah. or meet a great recruiter to say, oh, trying to find somebody that fits our values is hard work. And, you know, talking it through with people in the respective fields. Mm. 
I wouldn't call my husband a networker. He's not, actually. Um, and any males in the audience, I'm sorry if I'm being disrespectful, but a lot of men aren't natural networkers. Women are known for it. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things he did, and he, he's never stopped quoting it, was he got onto a program that was set up by the government called the LEAD program. Mm. And I know there's still versions of it today. It was free to attend. It was with a great university at the core of the training. And not only did he get great tutors, but he met a network of people around him who were going through exactly the same problems as him, challenges as him, yeah. thoughts as him. So that was where he got his support network from. So I think for each of us, when you go down this dark path to self-employment or you're in the dark path, whichever it is, just find people you can share things with in a confidential way that you know it, it's unburdening yourself and hopefully giving you something in return of that conversation to get you out of your darker moments. And, and it's not just the darker moments because I've dealt now with some great people who've inspired me to think, yeah, why don't we do that? Mm. And, you know, that's opened new doors for us because yeah. they've made me think, well, we don't, but it's a natural fit with what we do. And, and it comes from just talking as we're doing in a way, what should sure. we do and how should we do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think observing what you were saying, it's, um, I remember interviewing a CEO of this big UX agency and I said, you know, are there ever times when do you want, when you want to give up? And he's like, yeah, there's many times when it's really bad mm -hmm. when you're firefighting, but I'm like, why have you never given up? And he said, because there's nothing else I would rather do than do this. Mm -hmm. So I think coming back to what you were saying about what you love, it is the driver. And there are going to be moments that you don't love it. As you said, there's a bunch of paperwork between here and here, right? Mm. And I think that's the thing that people forget about. It's not always that you can do what you love because you have to do payroll, you have to do taxes. <laughs> and, and that facilitates more time doing the things you love. And I think it's always fascinating to know that it is deep down that, that passion that is the driver. You're going to hate it at some points, but I think it's the grit that you have to show because let's be honest, you wouldn't do anything else. And, and that's the fact, isn't it? So, so yeah. let's delve a little bit deeper into, um, into, into your experience and, and some of your background as well. I'd love to hear that. Oh, crikey. Well, you know, when this was being created, I was very much what you might call a media lovey. I, I worked in um, traditional media like newspapers. Um, I went on into commercial radio. Mm. which I have to say I loved. It was a bit cool. showbiz yeah. um, and it was fun. And I worked in some great markets with some mm. lovely people. Then I did a bit with commercial television. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, all of those things, what I personally benefited from, and I was only praising them today for this, they all provided in a structured way, great training. It, mm. You know, initially it's product training, then it becomes leadership training um, and, you know, sort of ultimately, I mean, I even had an experience of being part of a management buyout. Um, mm. There was no training for that. It was just in at the deep end. Yeah. But wow, is that interesting, I tell you. But it was good fun, although we were all absolutely mentally exhausted mm. at the end of the process because it took so much. But I think um, getting out of your comfort zone for me is a good thing. Yeah. I, I think I'm by nature somebody that give me three years of doing something 
I need something here for different. Otherwise, I get stale. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy the challenge of, oh, God, now what? What am I doing now? What, what's next? So yeah. I'm one of those. I, I guess I use a phrase self-starter in that guard. I, sure. I want change. I want stimulus. Mm. Um, I think... I think it's one of these spaces now where I, I did a, a great course a couple of years ago with Wrexham University for our business. Mm. And again, if anybody's listening, it was free. It was all provided for by the Welsh government. Um, but one of the tutors was listening to our product offering and each one of us in the room had to explain it. And she was listening to me in particular. And I, there's me talking about business telephony. And she used the description. She said, my God, you're actually in the fashion business. <laughs> and I looked at her thinking, what's she on about? She said, your product world changes from what you've described every 90 days. She said, there's very few fast-moving industries other than fashion. Mm. And I'd never thought of business telephony as that. But I think for me personally, you know, when she articulated that, I thought that's why I've been doing it now for 10 years, because it itself is constantly evolving and changing. It's obviously fed my desire that after three years on board, now what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so it's really stimulated me because it's it's been challenging. There's new, I call it toys. There's new toys coming out all the time. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, for me personally, when the COVID pandemic started, for a lot of businesses we looked after, it was the worst thing that could have ever happened. But I was sitting there going, it's not a problem. All yeah. this gadgetry has always been there. You just didn't want to know. Mm. Now we can turn it on for you. You'll be fine. Mm. Um, and it makes me smile when I see businesses working off a mobile because that's not the most professional tool. But, you know, we can all have a much bigger persona. And one of the stories I wouldn't mind sharing with you, if yeah, I may, was... Um, in my media lovey career, I met the Saatchi and Saatchi world and got to know them quite well. Mm. And he was telling me that when they started in London, he literally had one office in a tall building in London that was basically empty. And what they physically did to create illusion around their business was when they had a client meeting, they arranged with the landlord that they could put the desk and chair in another room. So it actually looked to anybody returning to be yet another facility in this very large building in London. And we only mm. rented one room. <laughs> and that illusion in business, I think, is something that it's not smoke and mirrors. It's about having a belief in yourself that you are big enough to fill that space. Mm. And if for somebody having different rooms every time they visit is part of that illusion, you're not deceiving. You're just having the confidence in yourself to say, look at us, you know, this lovely building, mostly us. It's nice. And, and I think when I see people working off a mobile today, I cringe because you think, oh, that screens, back room, kitchen. It's not, it's not the image. So, you know, I think my space today is as much about image building mm. as it is about tools to do the job. And I've, I've loved it. But I won't deny, husband and wife teams, not always the best. And, and, <laughs> and if you ask me, Dan, why I didn't do it until 10 years ago, I was really happy in my career and I loved all the jobs I'd had, but I did make a wrong turn. And I, and I think naturally, again, we all can make that wrong choice. Mm. Um, I went to work with an operation in Manchester. It didn't fit my values. Yeah. I suddenly realised that, whoa, 
Um, you know, this is not ethically how I like to behave. This doesn't feel right. And I remember the conversation with my other half. Could working with me be that bad? And believe yeah. you me, compared to where I was then, no, the answer was it's not that bad. So that was when I took the leap of faith to go into it. But I, I think, you know, husband and wife teams, we're lucky we, we operate in different spaces. He's a, a techie expert. Mm. I'm an end user expert. And that's yeah. how we run our lives. Boy, do we have difference of opinion sometimes because I want the tools to do something. You go, no, we'll do it. And it should. Or uh, in my world, I deal with open reach a lot who are like trying to catch hen's teeth because they're never very honest. Yeah. And uh, I get upset about it. It's the way it is. Stop beating yourself up. There's my mm. shoulder. Stop yeah. beating yourself up. Whereas I am at the time. Mm. So we found our own way. So husband and wife teams are not all as bad as painted. Yeah. But I think that comes from the fact that we've both got different levels of interest in how it works. So yeah, for sure. we can be different. I think you've shared a load of uh, a load of golden nuggets. And I think just in your start career, trying and tasting lots of different stuff, you realize that every experience, although very different, feeds into the broader picture. And you can still use those kind of experiences yeah. to go forward, which is great. I think going on as well from the the taking in advice and, and soundboarding and, and recognizing that you're not on your own. And that's a big thing to, to survive all of this kind of change and movement. Do you feel like you have um, people that uh, inspire you and that are ahead of you or, or mentors or uh, any specific people that speak to you and are a little bit ahead of you where you are now? You know, we, we used to, a lot of our management training, one of the questions was, you know, who inspires you? Hmm. Um, I never had any of those sort of Gandhi moments or that wasn't my world. I I got into my first management role with a, a great guy, very grounded, a true Yorkshireman. You know, they say Yorkshiremen say it as it is. He really did. And um, I think the thing that, and he still, even to this day, would be my pedestal person as a, where did I get who I am from? I watched him. He was always very straight as a die with people. Mm. Uh, I will admit, sometimes I will soften the blow a bit compared to the way he might have delivered it. Yep. But I think the essence is be straight. Mm. He was somebody who always cared about his people. And, and, you know, the thing I learned both in Blue Chip Market and this business we are today, and we're only 12 people in our business now, but we're only as good as our people. Mm. No, it's not about me or Paul. It's about our team. And, you know, if somebody is struggling, we've all got to support each other when they're struggling because at the end of the day, it only takes one. It could take us all down. So we have to support each other. And I guess in sales, which is where I grew up as well, you know, I was just selling products in newspapers or whatever. You were only ever as good as your last cricket score as well. Mm. So, you know, you, you've got to remain good. You've got to remain on that edge of delivery and do it the right way in an ethical way. Yeah. Um, and, and those things really resonate with me. And they came from him because I saw all of that in his leadership style. And I remember, I will confess, I'm of a certain age, there were very few women in leadership roles when I got my first management position. Yeah. Um, in fact, 
I got made managing director of a radio company in Liverpool and all the national press were on me like a ton of bricks. Mm. I'm like, what's this about? You're the first woman in radio to be a managing director. Well, oh, which I didn't realise until I got the gig. Mm. But I think it's not about your genre at all. I don't think that's anything to do with it. I think I've always worked hard. Uh, I try to remind myself work smart, but I'm probably, you know, guilty of doing things crazy hours just to keep my head above water sometimes, always have been. Um, so I think working hard has its rewards. I, you know, I, I can't imagine a career anywhere that you, you have passion and you only do it nine to five because I think passion takes you way beyond those parameters, doesn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's any time, any place, anywhere because you want to do it right. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing which I think COVID has done, because I was doing some um, proof working with our printer a few months ago, mm. and I was looking at my phone at 10 o'clock at night, probably on social media or something with a friend, and I saw this email come in from our printer. And I replied to him, what the hell are you doing this at 10 o'clock at night for? And he said, actually, then, with us working from home now, when the kids have now gone to bed, I'm doing what I could have done earlier. But I yeah. chose to be with the kids and I'm doing it now. Like, mm. You know, isn't that the great thing about homeworking in an, in an environment that was forced for some people? Yeah. But give and take is what it's about. Mm. It is absolutely nowadays. I can't imagine any employer post lockdown where they can say, you must work in this office Monday to Friday. Yeah. Because we've all proven you don't have to. Mm. There's got to be more flexibility than there ever was before. Mm. Um, and I hope that's the case for everybody, actually, because I'd, I'd hate to think that two years on, you've got an employer somewhere, whatever your size, saying back in this office, because yeah. there's no need for it now. And, and you'll lose out. You'll lose out with that yeah. kind of character, right? It's really clear to me that like your personal values bleed into your business values yeah. and that's how you operate. And it's very difficult, especially when you start a business, the values of the business typically are the values of the person starting the business. And then you try and bleed those in. So they're taken forward. I think, as you've already mentioned, empathy is probably one of the biggest characteristics that a leader needs to have, especially when it comes to people are your power kind of thing. And the greatest asset that you have as well, which is really, really yeah. good to hear. So slightly different um, pivot, if every role or every job paid the same, what mm. would you what would you do? You can say anything. Wow. You know, I think within me, I'm a frustrated interior designer. Oh, nice. <laughs> I've never been trained in that sphere or read books on it, but I apparently have a, a good eye. Mm. Um, and I seem to have an exceptional memory about colour, which is apparently odd, but I don't need swatches. I don't need paint pots. I can do it in my mind's eye. And whenever I've done something that people have come along to go, Lynn, that is amazing. You did it. And, I, and I, I think if I could have my time again, maybe I should take some training in interior design and become a Robert Llewellyn Jones or whatever. Yeah. I mean, time again, you can start now, right? Because the, the next question, as soon as someone answers that question, I'm like, well, why aren't you doing it now? And then that becomes a challenge, right? Because again, we're talking about passions. And I think um, broadly speaking, we're very, 
we're very versatile. We can fit into a lot of spaces with the passions that we have, because broadly speaking, you're super personable. So that is a talent. So it can be fitted in lots of places. And then when you really kind of like ask that question, like what would you do if everything was the same? That's the fascinating answer. And then kind of going on from there, I remember speaking to someone in the financial services and he said he would love to be the drummer for the Foo Fighters, which is a band. And I was like, well, why are you not doing it? You know, that that follow up question is a, a challenge to be like, actually, the refinement of what you feel is fulfilling. It can change and it's okay for it to change. So once you get to that mountaintop, you might notice another mountaintop and that's okay. It, It can change over time, right? Yeah, I I think you're so right. And the the thing about me, and I think it's latent in all of us, is we love to learn. I love to learn. Mm. So it doesn't matter what it is. Um, I think that's where maybe the three-year thing where I had to create change because it was always inherent learning with change. And, you know, that's absolutely, yeah, why not? Why shouldn't I be an interior designer now. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, you've heard it here first. <laughs> this isn't exclusive, is it? <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going to the, the real, like, want for, for learning stuff, what, how has that come about? Where, where has that been inspired by? So the, the wanting change and kind of getting bored with things, like, where has that been inspired, that, that mindset? I, th- I think, you know, when I look back now, I was never a great academic. I, school was relatively easy, but I was, you know, typical 16-year-old, didn't want to do much, wanted to do what I wanted to do and all that. And I, I got my basic qualifications and left school. I didn't do the university track. Mm. But I, knew, I really did notice by the time I was early 30s, an awful lot of my friends who'd done the university track were coming into industry, had had a few years, and career-wise were nowhere near where mine had then reached because I've been working since yeah. I was 16. Now, whether I was latently trying to prove to people you didn't need a degree, I don't know. I certainly didn't. My career was never held back by the lack of a, a formal qualification. but. I think it was just always with me. Um, if I could do something better, whatever it is in life, I just want to do it better. Mm. So, and I guess learning has helped me do that. But, you know, if, if you talk about getting in the gym, if I could do it better, <laughs> there's something yeah. competitive about me, isn't there? This is, this there's, is nothing really that, 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 there's nothing but, wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because that is a, a good positive drive so long as there are boundaries in place not to overwork and, and burn out, right? Correct, yeah. correct. And I think nowadays, and this is one of the sad things about society now, I think people are overly driven. And I think we've got to say, it's okay, I need to stop or I need some time out or too much. You know, one of the things I'm always saying to my team members, did it one of, one of the people today, is what I'm doing for you okay or do you want more from me? Mm. I'll assume what I'm doing is okay unless you tell me, but you must tell me if you want more or if I'm, use a term, pecking your head too much when you tell me not to. Yeah. I, oh, no, it's great, it's great. But I think, you know, an open relationship with people around you and to be able to say enough, just back off now, my head's spinning or I'm overwhelmed. Mm. It's good to be able to do that in whatever space we're in. 
Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, look what I said earlier, any time, any place, anywhere, and mobile phones, tablets, they've made us all a little bit too accessible in that regard, haven't they? And turning them off is a good thing. Mm. So, yeah. Remember yeah, to turn sense. the darn thing off. I might sell it, but turn it off as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just going back to, you know, some of the harder times in business. Um, now knowing what you know and knowing that those hard times in those moments is the biggest thing ever, right? Those moments are really big and significant. What would be the advice right now to the past version of you in that hard time? What would be the advice for that moment? I think there's there's one phrase that has immediately popped up when you've said that, and that is never say never. Mm. So it it doesn't matter how tough it's been. And don't get me wrong, you know, every business path I've had, there's been tough times. But if if I use that phrase, never say never, it gets you beyond the moment that you're in. Mm. Um I I do remember one incident in my life. I was working in the Midlands and I was going through hell in the business that we were in and driving the car from Birmingham back to Chester, which is my home Mm. on a weekend because I was living away working. Mm. I really did not want to ever go back. I didn't. But, you know, that thing over the weekend was like, never say never. This This is not forever. This can change. Put your head down. Get back into it. Talk to the people around you. You'll get through. And I did. And it, but at the time, if my car heading to Chester had the ability not to go back up the M6, I would not have gone back up on the Monday. Yeah. And, I, and I think we, you know, that thing, it was, I, I can get through it. it. We will get through it. Um, and, I, and I think that's a moral for life as well, mm. isn't it? You know, it, it, I'm sure when you're in a really dark space, it's hard to see the light at the yeah. end of a tunnel, but there is light at the end of a tunnel. You've just got to find something to get you there. And, and the self-talking, little... right? The self-talking of, of um, reassurance and perspective as well, yeah. which is key. I think somebody once said to me, it's a cinch by the inch, it's hard by the yard. And actually, that's it's true, isn't it? You know, the baby steps are the things that get us where we ultimately need to be. Mm. If you try and stride it out, well, you'll probably fall over or you'll yeah. burn out. And yeah, cinch by an inch. <laughs> awesome. Well, just to finish off, it'd be great to know where people can get hold of your business or, or contact you or follow you. Um, so yeah, would you mind letting us know where we can follow you or contact oh, you? Cheers, Dan. Um, and I'm on social media. So um, we, we've got a very interesting name because we originated long before a little red telephone of with course. insurance brokers. <laughs> so direct line communications. I'm on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. I do use Twitter. Uh, we've got a website, which is simple acronym, www.dlc, the Delta Lima Charlie.co.uk. Uh, and if you're a networker in the area, you might just bump into me. Awesome. Thanks very much. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dan.